0: Now time for Bible reading. Uh, We are reading from 1 Corinthians 4, all of it, till 21, I think, for those who actually want the number. This, then, is how you ought to regard us, as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I... Do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit. So that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. For who makes, it, who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have begun to reign and that without us. How I wish that you really had begun to reign so that we might also reign with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like those condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored and we are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ... You do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Some of you have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you, but I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing. And then I'll find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come in love and with a gentle spirit?
1: Uh, my name is Jamie, I'm a, a one of the ministers here at DAPTO. Uh, One of the things that uh, has amazed me for a long while uh, is uh, when I read through history or uh, watch great films, really the films that I consider great or the people I love learning about, really are people of, of courage. They're the stories we tell, right? People who stood in front of armies, people who stood up despite the media or despite Social push and power. People who are willing to stand in front of rulers and nations and lose it all. And what is it that makes some have courage and others falter? I think Paul in this passage gives us in, insight into where does his courage come from? How might we, like him, have resources for courage in our day-to-day weeks? Look at verse one. Verse one, Paul opens, he says, "This then is how you ought to regard us. This, this is how you should." Understand us as leaders, as uh, leaders of the church here, as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now, you see, back in those times, it wasn't really uh, the ruler of the house who kind of administered the day to day things. Uh, so uh, instead, they would appoint a servant, a slave. And that slave would oversee the entire estate. He would oversee even the the family itself. Uh, And so the slave, that slave, that's the word that's used here when he talks about those entrusted um, as a manager, as a steward. Really, they're two things. They are a slave, a servant of the ruler. But they are also a manager and one with power and authority themselves. And so you've got this dual tension here. And this is what Paul says. This is how Paul says he understands what his role is, who he is. He is a slave and a steward, a manager, a servant of Christ and a steward of the gospel. And as such... Paul says it is required that those who have been uh, given and entrusted would prove faithful. And so Paul says, I care very little if I am judged by you. It, It just doesn't bother me. It, it just doesn't bother me what you think of me. You can love me or you can hate me. To have that kind of backbone, right? Now, I, I know plenty of people, and this is kind of a confession of my own heart, right? Who say, I don't care what people think about me. Someone puts an angry face on your status on Facebook, I I was gutted. I was like, man, what did I do? And then I was like, man, it's just one angry face. Come on, Jamie. And yet Paul says, it, it just doesn't bother me what people think. And it's not that Paul doesn't care what people think. Paul cares a great deal what people think. That's why he travels so far, that's why he works so hard, that's why he gets whippings and beatings, that's why his feet are bloody, because he cares greatly what people think. He cares greatly what you think. What he doesn't care about is what you think of him. He cares about what you think of Jesus what you think of the gospel, what you think of Christ. And so his whole life is caught up in this great, great purpose of how can I point people to Christ? That they might think more of him. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. And, and part of our culture loves that, right? This is the mantra of our culture. It, you should not, our culture says this, it doesn't matter what anyone else says about you. The only thing that matters is what you think about you, right? It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks as long as you're happy with you. That's what's important. And as long as you're happy with you, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. But see where Paul goes with it. Verse 3, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. And this is where he then clashes with our culture. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. I don't care what you think about me. In fact, I don't care what I think about me. says it just doesn't really matter. Tim Keller has uh, written a great little book. It is about this it's about this big, so it's tiniest tiny called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And in fact, he argues like we live in this culture where it's like high esteem, high self-esteem and then but you should think low of yourself. And he actually says actually What the Bible kind of puts forward, and he argues from this passage, is a self-forgetfulness. Well, you don't need to think higher of yourself, you don't need to think lower of yourself. You just, a self-forgetfulness. See, Paul says, my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. There are plenty of people in hell who think that they are innocent. And so what you think of yourself, whether you you think you're a morally good person, whether you think you're an upright citizen, whether you think, I'm actually pretty good. Whether you have great sincerity and confidence in you going to heaven. You need to realise that so too do Islamic suicide bombers. Right? Islamic suicide bombers think they are going to heaven. They actually they think uh, that they are great, good and moral Right? And yet their thinking is wrong. See, Paul says, My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It's not my word that matters. It's not my opinion of myself that matters. It's not anyone else's opinion of me that matters. It is God's opinion that matters. And here's why that's good news. Because your opinion of you changes so quickly, does it not? Some days, you think that you're awesome. And then you just you fall short, you stuff up. Maybe you just have a bad night's sleep, right? And then you just feel terrible the next day. Our opinion of ourselves is so fickle, is it not? And Paul, this is why it's great news that it actually doesn't matter. And Paul's confidence, his courage, is based on the fact that it is only God's declaration that matters. Not what other people think, not what he thinks. And so he sets his eyes forward to the day to come, the final day. Verse 5, when he will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. And at that time, each will receive... His praise from God. This has become probably my favourite verse in all of Scripture. And at that time, each will receive his praise from God. Uh, Thirteen years ago, I went on a camp, uh, uh, LIT as a camper, and there was a leader there a guy called uh, Robbo, and he, what he did is he wrote letters. So he typed up letters and then hand-wrote the, the teenager's name on the top and then signed it on the bottom. And he would send letters out to teenagers that he'd been on camps with, sent letter after letter after letter. And so uh, I got a letter probably from him every two months for 10 years. And this guy, Robo did this for every camp he went on. And he would go on two or three camps a year and his uh, list of letters that he would mail out He would send, it would probably increase about 300 people every year. And he would send these letters out, and letters, and if you wrote a letter back, he would send a letter replying back to you. And he had prayer lists, lists and lists of of, of people that he was praying for. And, And... and so he, I, I, in January, led on a camp and he was there as well and we were chatting about this. And he shared this story about, um, he had been writing these letters uh, to a girl uh, from uh, led on camp. And, um, and uh, after about four years or so, he hadn't heard back from her and then he got a letter back from her dad. And the letter was the dad, and he apologised. And he said, look, I'm, I'm really sorry. Uh, my daughter actually died 18 months after that camp. And he said, I haven't had the heart to tell you that to stop writing because it's actually been the thing that, that fills, me, fills me with joy seeing that somebody cared so deeply about my little girl that has he's kept writing letters to encourage her, to spur her on in Christianity. And and he said, I, I want to tell you, I've actually become a Christian. I have actually become a Christian through your letters to my late daughter. And he still does this. He's a banker He's a banker that just spends his money, spends his time investing, sowing in the kingdom. And here's what I wonder. On that last day, what will it be like for Robbo when he stands before Jesus? What's it going to be like when all is kind of brought into the light? And and he will see and all will see the fruit of his labour... Of all the prayers that he's invested, the hours and hours of prayers that he's been praying for people, letters that he's been writing to people. What will it be like on that last day for Robbo when it's it's all shown for what it is? And when he receives praise from the God who created the stars by speaking... And this is why Paul labours. This is why he works tirelessly. Why? Because he he cares. Not about the praise of people, but the praise of God. And trading the the praise of people for the praise of God is like trading a sandcastle for a mansion by the sea. And so Paul then is, is urging the Corinthians to get it. Stop seeking after the praise of people. Verse 8, 9, 10, listen to this. He's, he's being sarcastic, right? There's a there's large amount of irony here from Paul. He says, already you have all you want. Right? This is verse 9, already you have all you want. Already you've become rich. You've begun to reign, and without us, how I wish you really had begun to reign so that we might also reign with you. For it seems that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like those condemned to die in the arena. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honoured, we are dishonoured. See, for Paul, really, he, he's playing sarcasm with them so that they might understand the danger of their pride and might see Paul's weakness. He's saying, you've, you've arrived, right? You're reigning, you're ruling. Oh, how I wish you were. For us us apostles, we're being dragged into the lions. You're wise, you're you're strong, you're honoured. And we are fools. We are dishonoured. We are weak. You see, the Corinthians have, have forgotten that following Jesus is a road to the cross it is a king without a crown following Jesus is following the king who, who gave up his throne for the thorns who gave up his crown for the cross And this is why Paul says, this is why Paul says, uh, where are we? Verse uh, 13, he says, we have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. Don't make memory verses out of that one. No one's like, I've got a verse for camp, this is it. In the 5th century, there was uh, a monk called Vitalis. And he, he gave up his uh, life in the monastery to serve uh, prostitutes in Alexandria. And so he became a, a bricky at 60 years old. Imagine that. If you're a brickie now, you know you need to start early or you don't have the muscles for it, right? He's 60 years old becomes a bricky and, and labors each day. And at the end of the day, here's what he does. At the end of his first day, he, he collected together a list of the prostitutes in the area. And he went up to the first prostitute, paid for a meal for, for him and her, pays for a hotel room, gives her the rest of his day's wages and says, we we won't be sleeping together. I will spend the whole night on the floor and in prayer. And so this is what he did day in, day out, working through his list with these young women. And word starts to get around and what happens is uh, people start mocking vitalis right because they think he's this sleazy old creepy monk that's that is every night spending it with a different prostitute and so so there are historical records of people mocking vitalis saying why are you blaspheming god and and he 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 that the one condition he has with the girls is that they promise never to tell anyone because he knows that the pimps in the area will put an end to Vitalis if they know because he's trying to, to get them out of this life that they might put their hope and faith and trust in Jesus. One one morning he leaves the hotel room and a young, a young man throws a rock that strikes him in the head. How long will you disgrace Christ, you filthy old rag? As Vitalis walks away, bleeding from the head into the snow, the prostitute runs down and out and confronts the man. says what have you done i have taught the filthy old sinner a long overdue lesson and the girl begins to cry and then she says he spent the whole night in prayer for me the man realizes what he's done and goes and tells everyone and, and the whole town the whole city the neighborhoods go out searching for vitalis and and they find him in the snow frozen to death and they find in his hand a scrap of paper with 1 corinthians 4 on it 1 corinthians 4 verse 4 which says do not judge prematurely before the lord comes for he will bring to light those things hidden in darkness and reveal the inner workings of the heart. At his funeral, there were hundreds and thousands of women, apparently. Some married, some had become nuns, and all of them had lived lives of prostitution that they now said, we declare... Uh, what they say? Here's what so they said. We were once prostitutes and no one in this city did a thing to help us. Vitalis rescued each of us through the gospel. There is a man who knows what he is. The scum of the earth. A slave, a servant, but a servant who has been entrusted with the gospel, and a servant who's who's determined to prove faithful to the master who counts. And so Vitalis endures the humiliation so that some might be saved. How is it that we too might seek after the praise of God rather than the praise of man? Might follow after the weakness of Christ rather than the strength of the Corinthians? Where is it that we need to let go of the crown, let go of the thorn, uh, let go of the throne, and grasp hold of the thorns? Where is it that we are too tempted to compromise rather than be faithful? Where do we seek to? Uh, where are we so concerned about the opinions of others rather than being a fool for our king? Paul finishes with this. He says, "I am writing this not to shame you." But to warn you, my dear children. Even if you had ten thousand guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I urge you to imitate me. You see, he's not saying this because to try to shame them, he's saying this because he cares deeply for them. And he calls them to imitate him, not because he's awesome, but because he's following after Jesus on the road to Jerusalem. And he's saying, come, come with me. Follow after me as we follow and walk to the cross of our Master. How about I pray? Our Lord God, we ask that you might, that you might set our eyes forward to, to that final day, to the day when all will be brought into the light. And we pray that you might that you might help us to be faithful today because of the promise of the future. We pray that you might forgive us for when we have sought to. Um, I guess, imitate the world rather than imitating Christ. Give us wisdom and discernment about where we look too much like the world rather than our Saviour. And we pray that we might spur one another on as we follow after Jesus together. And we pray it for His glory. Amen.